I feel led to talk about the role of a child, and that's not just to say a small child or whatever. It could be a, a child, even though the dynamic is different with me at 50 years old and my mom, but there's still the principle of, of honor there, which we're going to look at here tonight in Exodus 20. And it's worthy of note that the place that we're looking at, the 12th verse, if I've counted right, this would be the fifth commandment. That, that Moses is given by God. So this is Moses up on the mountain. God is giving him the commandment. And it's interesting that this is the first commandment given with a conditional promise. So let's read in Exodus 20 in verse 12 as we consider honoring our parents. So the reason I say older kids, children too, like myself, is I don't want anybody to think, well, we're picking on a certain age group. This is kind of an across-the-board thing that applies to children of all ages, and uh, yet the dynamic shifts as, as you grow older, for sure. But the principle of honoring is still there. So verse 12 of Exodus 20. Honor thy father and thy mother. And here's the condition. That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, I've looked at the word honor before, studied it out. And there's some words that are very clear to me in their meaning. And then there are some words that are a little more mysterious with their Hebrew meaning or even their Greek meaning. And then there's some words that are even mysterious in their English meaning. But this is one of those words for me that is mysterious because it has a lot of different contextual applications depending on what's happening. And the word that is used here, honor, It means basically to treat with respect and esteem because of one's position or authority. Now, the exact Hebrew definition is very large and it carries a lot of different meanings. But I picked out a few that that to me seem to apply to the context of honoring the parents. And I'm also going to give you some other occurrences that kind of make us think, hmm, that's a very interesting and wide and broad type of word. Okay, the Hebrew definition of honor is to be heavy. In a bad sense, which this is a good sense, but in a bad sense of the word, it would mean to be burdensome, like you're carrying something very heavy. In the good sense of the word, it means to be numerous or rich. You know, a a burden you don't mind carrying. You might think about it like this. If you were carrying a sack of potatoes on your back, you know, and you think, oh, i got to carry this thing all this way. But what if you were carrying a sack of gold? On your back. You might have a little different attitude about what you're carrying, right? So it can mean something good. It can mean something bad. When it comes to honoring our parents, uh, I think it carries somewhat of both. Because there's times in our lives, especially when you're young, that it really feels just like a drag to honor and obey your parents. And then there's a a time in your life where maybe it doesn't feel that way. So... Genesis 13 and 2, it speaks of Abraham being rich in cattle and in goods. And that's the same word for honor, rich. That's a good sense. It means to make weighty or to make glorious. And there's other places where it occurs, the word, the same word occurs where it means to be grievous. Like when the Lord said the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was grievous to him. When he looked upon it, it just, it just weighed heavy on his mind. So the idea is weight. That's the main thrust of the idea of honor, to carry weight. Okay, And when it comes to parents, children are to view their parents in a way that carries they carry weight with them, which indicates respect. Now, granted, everybody doesn't have the same experience with parents. Everybody doesn't have a good experience. Some people have bad, really bad experiences. Some have really good experiences. 
But in the bad experiences, you can still honor and respect the position because it's a God-given position. Even if the parent doesn't discharge their duty or their in a way that honors God, it's still a position of authority that God has ordained. Okay, you can you can at least honor the position, even if the person holding the position is not worthy of honor. It's kind of like all of the disrespect that is going on out in the world today. You know, people just bad mouthing this and poor mouthing that. You know, we've lost sight of, you know, if a person holds a position, if they've been elected or if they've been appointed or whatever, there is that is a position of authority that should be respected. Even though you might not agree with how they're carrying out their position, you can still respect the position, you see. So it, it carries the idea of weight. And this word takes us over into the New Testament. It carries over to Ephesians and Jesus used the word honor at one point in the Gospels in relation to parents. But we want to look at Ephesians, the sixth chapter. This is the companion book to Colossians. Colossians says a very similar thing to Ephesians. We'll mention it. But Ephesians 6, right out of the gate there in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. We just mentioned that. A child, especially it's focusing on children who are still under the authority of their parents to honor them. And it carries a condition. You'll live a long life if you'll listen to your parents. If they're telling you things that are according to thus saith the word of the Lord. Okay, it'll it'll keep you away from a lot of trouble if you'll listen to your parents. If the parents are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So the idea of carrying weight... In Ephesians 6, it says, obey your parents in the Lord. We're going to talk about obey in just a minute, but let's focus on verse 2. Honor thy father and mother. The word honor, again there, it means to prize or to fix a value upon, to revere, to respect. And again, remember, it's the position that is to be respected. Because guess what? If it it wasn't for your parents, you know, you wouldn't be here. Nobody would be here if it wasn't for your parents. You can say, well, there's just not that much to respect about my parents, which I highly question, especially depending on the age of the person that says that. (laughs) Uh, You know, the older you get, the more you see how wise your parents were. (laughs) So, but if you say, well, there's just nothing to respect, you can at least respect the position because it's a God-given position. The reason there's a father, the reason there's a mother is because that's what God calls them. Okay. So he says, honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise, verse 3, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, if you look at the companion, and you don't have to turn there, but Colossians 3 and 20 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And I've always made this disclaimer, you know, guys, if your parents come in and say, okay, go get the guns, we're going to rob a bank. And you think, oh, well, Colossians 3 20 said, I must obey them in all things. I'll go help them rob the bank. That's not what it means. It means in all things that are appropriate and spiritual and godly and, and legal. Okay. It doesn't mean to, I have to break the law because the Bible said that's not what that means. If you notice in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, he says, obey your parents in the Lord. You see that? Obey your parents in the Lord. And you can't obey your parents in the Lord by going and helping them rob a bank. I don't think anybody here is going to face that situation, but it makes the point that there, it is talking about Things that are godly, things that are right. Okay? Y'all heard me say many times that the two primary things that we've always tried to tell our children is we want to do, we want to direct you in a way that honors the Lord 
and we only want to direct you in a way that will benefit yourself. Okay, those are two little principles that I think go along with the Word of God. We want to direct you in a way that honors God and we'll try our best, although we fail, I know, we'll try our best to direct you in a way that will only benefit you. Because guess what? Those kind of are circular because it only benefits you to follow the Lord. See? So... The word obey, as we look at that in verse 6, notice it kind, of, it kind of expands upon the meaning of honor. It says, honor your parents, honor your father and your mother. God said that is one of the Ten Commandments. And then here in Colossians, he says, that, in, that necessarily involves obeying your parents. And of course, as I've said, the dynamic of that changes as you get older and you become an adult and so forth. But I like this definition of obedience. This is pretty good. And as I read this, it makes me tremble. And my mom's probably going to sit there and think, well, he didn't do that. <laughs> Doing what you are told without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. That's true obedience right there. And I feel very little <laughs> relaying that, uh, that definition. Obedience, when it comes to a child, a young child or you know a teen or a young adult or whatever whatever the scenario may be doing what you were told without challenge without excuse and without delay that really flies in the face of my personality <laughs> because i i like to challenge and i like to make excuses and i like to do my own thing this was a great example that that i uh, came across and this is to the children to the young guys i don't care what your age is it can it can even apply to me as a child but think about this Parents, if you go and you wake up your children each morning, as I do most every morning, and you tell them, hey guys, get up and do your chores, and when you finish, we're leaving for Disney World. Now, what kind of attitude do you think those guys are going to have, and how fast are they going to get those chores done? But if you just get up and you just say, hey guys, get up and do your chores, it's just, it's Monday. Think about the, and I'm speaking to the children specifically. Think about the difference in your attitude and your desire and your want to is if you, as soon as I get through with my chores, we're leaving for the amusement park or we're going to, you know, the, the park or to the, you know, to hike or do something that you love. Why? What's the difference in just, Oh, it's Monday. I've got to do my chores. What's the difference? It's what you want to do. You see? You want, I mean, I do. I want to go to the amusement park. I want to go hiking. I want to go kayaking. I want to go do this. I want to go on vacation. And if I get this stuff out of the way, I'm going to get it done. Lickety split. So what if, children, you woke up every morning and when dad or mom comes knocking on the door, the alarm clock goes off, you get that in your head. I'm going to do my chores today as if I'm fixing to go do the, the thing I enjoy the most, which is probably not school. <laughs> Think about the difference in attitude there. That, that touches on a little bit about what it means to honor, okay? So think about obedience. The, the definition of the word obey right there where it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. The word picture that's given is to, is to sit under and listen to. In my mind, when I look at that definition, I think of when our children were very small, you know, and I would tower over them. And I don't mean in a threatening way, but they were very small and they might be sitting around, you know, and I'd say, now guys, we gotta do this. You know, they're, they're not only listening to me, but they're literally under me as I'm speaking to them. Well, that's a little bit different, you know, as you get older. I was joking, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't know if I could take Brother Asher if I had to sit on him and spank him, you know. <laughs> He's a little too big for me to take. Now, obviously, I always tell him I don't fight fair, so. But it's different, you know, 
It's not as though he's sitting there on the floor as a little four-year-old or six-year-old or eight-year-old. And I'm saying, okay, guys, now we've got to do this or we've got to do that. That's the picture that's given there. But it's, a, it's an attitude, is it not, as you get older? It's an attitude. You can, you can view yourself as still subjecting yourself and still under your parents, you see. Again, the dynamic changes when you get older. But when I view my mother today and she wants me to do something, you know, I, you know, I don't want to challenge her and I don't want to make too many excuses. <laughs> and, and I don't want to delay too much because she'll get somebody else to spray off the house and clean the vinyl. If I don't go ahead and get on it, right, Mom? Don't answer that. <laughs> but the point is, honor carries over through all of your life. You know, I would, there's not much I wouldn't give to get the chance to honor my father one more time who's gone on to be with the Lord. Some of you can identify with that. I would love to have that opportunity just one more time. Now that's crazy talk when you're five years old and they wake you up and say, do your chores, you know. But if you have any spiritual sense about you, you will say the same thing one day. When your father is gone, you'll say, "I, I would just wish I could one more time submit myself to him. One more time, help him change a tire, change the oil, you know, go out on the farm, you know, fill in the blank. That's, that's a heart's desire, man. Now, I know I'm going to see him again, but my opportunities to honor him are gone. See, they're gone. He'll never come back again. Now, look at Matthew 8 and 27. As we think about obeying, it means literally to listen under, to sit under and listen as though you are looking up to someone and being instructed. Uh, look at Matthew 8. And 27, and we're going to look at a case study in, in a few minutes as we close our thoughts on this. Uh, Matthew 8 and 27, if I can get there. Okay, this is Jesus out on the water when the waves are crashing. And this is the same word of, as obey. Look at, look at verse 27. Jesus speaks and the winds and the water and the storm obey him and they stop. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? There's a book known as Dune, and they made a movie out of it here recently. And one of the characters in the movie is a witch, and she's got the ability to reach a certain pitch of her voice. And these witches, when they reach a certain pitch, you don't want me to imitate it because it'd be silly, but they're able to control what people do. Like they'll say, Come over here, and you come over there. And I've thought, man, wouldn't that be wonderful as a parent if I had that ability? How much trouble in the house would end if I could reach that pitch, you know, and just say, come here and do your chores right now. And they just go about it, you know. Well, you know, it's, it's all fictional. It's all magic or whatever. And I'm crazy thinking stuff like that, I know. But children, think about how much easier your life would be if you obeyed without challenge and without excuse and without delay. Think about that. And parents, don't you wish that we had that power just to make it happen? You know, we don't. But Jesus did. You understand? When he said stop, everything stopped. When he looked at the winds and the, and the storm and the waves and he said, peace be still. That's power, isn't it? And that's not magic. It's, it's the creator having power over the creation. <laughs> you know, if we had that kind of power over our children... As sinners, we would definitely abuse it. <laughs> definitely abuse it. We'd probably have a little too much fun with it, wouldn't we, Brother Jim? But, <laughs> but Jesus, in his perfect form, he has the authority to say, stop, do this, do that, and it happens. That's power that we just cannot fully fathom. 
But it's amazing, isn't it? So understand when Christ speaks, everything obeys. First Peter 3 and 5 and 6, maybe this comes a little closer to home when it comes to the things that we do because it's, it's, it's power for Jesus to say, do this, and it happens. It's submission for us when our parents say, we want you to do this, and it happens. Okay, First Peter 3, look at verse 5. And it's speaking of obedience. It's speaking of the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. It's speaking of wives and husbands. And I know this is, I'm speaking about children, but this is still the same word, obey. Now watch this. And you see if you think this is politically correct today. (laughs) For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. Calling him Lord. Husbands, how would you like for your wives to walk around the house calling you Lord? (laughs) Well, this is Holy Script. And maybe it was a term of affection or whatever. But it it definitely was a term of respect. And Sarah, she referred to Abraham as Lord. And and that's not like Jehovah Lord. Okay, like she was calling him God or nothing like that. But she was very respectful. Now, Now, Sarah wasn't perfect. You know the history of Sarah. She conned Abraham into taking Hagar as a co-wife or as a concubine and look at all the mess that that caused. So she wasn't perfect, but here she's written down in holy script as one who obeyed her husband. You know, I've never experienced this myself doing a lot of weddings through the years, but I have heard people say, well, they're so-and-so wouldn't allow the preacher to use that verse and talk about a wife obeying her husband in the ceremony. That's just too old fashioned. It's too archaic. It's, it's too, it, you know, it's too not, it's not politically correct. <laughs> Because, you know, it's funny when you say politically correct, because what in the world is even correct about politics? You know, to think that anything from politics would cause us to, to think, well, we're not thinking right when the whole thing itself is messed up. That's crazy, isn't it? So this does not mean that Abraham bullied Sarah or Abraham was mean to Sarah or Abraham talked down to Sarah. And it doesn't mean that Sarah was a rug and Abraham just walked all over. Let me tell you something. Abraham, Abraham and Sarah is one of the greatest love stories of all time. It's love, you see. But she had a true biblical, spiritual sense and understanding of her role. And that's my point. I'm speaking about children honoring their parents. Do we truly have a full biblical sense and understanding of our role to honor our parents? Whatever age we may be, the principle is always there. Okay? I'll tell you a little funny. The other night we had a a, a bunch of people there for... Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving night. So Mama and Papa, that's Mr. Ray and Miss Mary, they were fixing to leave. And Sister Lila had already gone upstairs to get ready for bed. I didn't know that she was taking a shower up there. She she does not want me to tell this, but it's pretty funny. So And a lot of people saw it, so it's not like it's a secret. So she went upstairs to go get ready, and she was in the shower. I didn't know it, so I go to the stairs like as I do and say, Hey, come on down. Mama and Papa's leaving. What? You know. Had to go back about two more times. I was getting just a little bit miffed, Brother Jim. She's not coming down. So I didn't know she was in the shower. So I finally went up there. I said, hey, come down now. And, you know, they know the seriousness of the voice, you know. And so we go back in there. We're sitting in the den. Well, everybody's standing up, getting ready to leave. Well, here comes Miss Lila dripping wet in her towel. I was like, what are you doing? She said, you told me to come down. I said, she went up on the obey list, you know, when she did that. So. You know, God love her. That was a uh, that was a little extreme, but you know, she. I told her to come down. She came down. At least she put her towel on. Praise God. But 
Thank you, Sister Lila. That was very sweet of you to do that. You understand, if that had been me, I would have yelled back at Dad and said, I'm in the shower, you know. (laughs) But you understand, to honor and to obey is of the utmost importance when it comes to our parents. And I'm not just talking to little children. I'm just talking to teens. But there is so much that we will avoid and, and miss in life that could destroy us if we'll just follow this simple principle. As you get older, children, young folks, your parents begin to explain more about why or they should. But there's times when you're little. I used to tell my children, I said, guys, the reason I tell you to obey is because when I say stop, you know, you might be fixing to walk out in front of a Mack truck that's coming. And you don't need to sit there and reason with me and just keep on walking. Yeah, what? why are you telling me to stop? Whack! You know, you get run over. That scenario never came up. But it makes a good point. You know, I'm not just telling you to stop because I'm some kind of, you know, some kind of dictator that just wants you to have obedience in that sense. I want to save your life. You understand? That's the way we intend and we ought to be. I can't say because we're sinners and a lot of times we, we do things for selfish reasons and so forth. But let's look at Luke, the 16th chapter. And I want you to think about this. And I'm speaking specifically to the children. Sister Tracy, we were joking and talking the other day. And she said, uh, she said, you know, I probably wouldn't have liked you when you were 15. And I, you know, at first I was like, oh, oh well, that kind of hurts my feelings. Well, then I started thinking about myself when I was 15. And I looked at her and I said, thank God you didn't know me when I was 15. I'm so glad she didn't know me when I was 18. I'm really kind of glad she didn't know me when I was 24. <laughs> you know, we met when we were 25. The point of that is this. And as we look at this case study. And and this is to the children, this is to the adults, this is to the parents. We should never judge one another based on what we are at a certain point in our life growing up. Never. Because you most likely will not be the same person at 15 that you are at 25. And you will not be the same person. You ever seen a fully grown miniature (laughs) five-year-old? You know, you're growing you continue to grow. You continue. You know, this is a clinical that boys, males' brains don't aren't even finished developing at like nineteen or twenty. The girls are a little ahead of the game. I think they're like sixteen, seventeen, maybe eighteen. You know, their brains develop more fully. So, I mean, I think back on me at fifteen. I don't even know if I had a brain. <laughs> I probably still don't have one today. The way I talk about myself, but understand the person that you are. The, let me just say it this way, so I won't offend anybody. The person that I was at 15 years old is not the person that I was at 20 and not the person that I was at 25 and not the person that I was at 30. Okay. I mean, I I don't think the person I was at 30 is even the same as the one I am at 50 because we continue. If we're looking to the Lord and we're looking to try to continue to grow in discipleship, we ought to be getting better in some form or another, not worse. So you think about that 11 year old, 10 year old, nine year old, seven year old. (laughs) I am so glad that all of you sitting here tonight are not looking at me and, and thinking about the tomato stealer who I was at eight years old. Oh, I can't listen to Tim. He, he stole tomatoes at eight years old. Well, I was kind of tricked into it. It was like conspiracy, whatever. I got all kinds of excuses for it, but, you know, that, that I was even told they were rotten, so they weren't any good. I got all kinds of excuses for it, but I'm glad you're not sitting there looking. He's an eight-year-old tomato stealer. Are you kidding me? It, there's not a, an adult under the sound of my voice that could survive criticism in terms of what we have been and what we have done. Because we've all made foolish decisions and we've all been different things throughout our lives. Which brings us to Luke, the 16th chapter. you got two sons. Now I want you to ask yourself this question as we 
conclude our thoughts here in the last few minutes tonight. Which one of these two sons was really the prodigal? Okay? Remember that question. Here is apparently a very dysfunctional home with a very loving father, it appears. He had to be loving to do what he did in the way that he interacted with the son that left home. Luke, the 15th chapter, and verse 11, he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger said to his father. Now you think about the disrespect, dishonor, and disobedience of this son. Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. Now you, you may say, well, that father shouldn't have done that. Well, that's a question for another day, but he did do it. But basically what this son was saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying. Give me what I'm going to get now before you die. See, he's basically saying, I wish you were dead. That would hurt, would it not? <laughs> and so we're not going to go read through all the, the account here, but you know the account. The son goes off and he lives like a, like a heathen. He lives as a fornicator. Uh, he, he lives just as a heathen man, spends all the money. You know, everybody back home that knew about this was going, can you believe what that boy did? I, I told you he'd never amount to nothing. You see, they judged him based on what he had done at this point in his life. That is a dangerous place to be for children of God. So you want to extrapolate that onto what I'm talking about. You know, don't please don't judge me for as the eight-year-old tomato stealer that I was. I've repented. I've turned from stealing tomatoes. I don't do it anymore. Everybody said of this young man, well, Look at what he did. Look how he treated his father. Look how pitiful he was. They wrote him off. But you know what? The father didn't write him off. Amen. Praise God. It, it gives the image of the father going there every day. Every day. And watching for that son off in the distance. Looking off over there. I'm sure the, the servant said, he's lost his mind. That boy's not coming back. He's living in the world. The devil's got him. You know, he's, he's living it up over there. Well, we heard he spent all he had. He's, in, he's probably in pretty rough shape. Now, he, he deserves it, doesn't he? Because he spent all that. He just deserves it. That is so harsh and judgmental and so non-compassionate. God forbid that we would ever be in a place like that. When you start getting in a place like that, you can just go ahead and sign the death warrant of the church that you're involved in. Non-compassion, judgmental. Oh, they got what they deserve. We're done. We're done. You may, it may not die tomorrow. But when that kind of attitude overtakes our heart and our mind and we lose compassion, we're done. We become hardened. So the father went and he looked every day to see if that son was coming. And this 15-year-old, 25-year-old, I don't know how old he was. I don't know how old it was enough to let him go like this. 20-year-old maybe, 25-year-old. And so... He finally comes to himself. You know, the Lord gets a hold of him. See, that's why that is, that's the primary reason that you never write somebody off. <laughs> it's when you write somebody off, you're discounting the Lord doing something. You see, do you think anybody on the planet who was a Christian in that area of the world, when Saul was going around killing Christians and putting them to death, do you think it occurred to any one of them? Well, you know, he might be my preacher one day. <laughs> No, I don't think it occurred to them. As a matter of fact, when God said, Ananias, go baptize that man, he said, you're talking about Saul of Tarsus? And God said, he's a chosen vessel unto me. So that little fellow that you may have judged and said, we're going to write them off, which is harsh and judgmental and merciless. 
God may have a plan for that little fellow. See? He had, a, he had a plan for this little tomato stealer. <laughs> I'm glad nobody, I'm glad they didn't write me off just because I got conned into stealing some tomatoes and throwing them at cars and almost got run over. But anyway, <laughs> y'all can see it had a great impact on me. I never stole again after that happened. Whew, that was rough. So the son goes home and he, he says, he rehearses what he's going to say. He says, I'm going to tell my father I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And before the, the son can even get through what he's rehearsed to say, the father says, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. The father is just, it's like he's just losing his mind. He's not losing his mind. He's getting it right. <laughs> For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You see, the, the father was praying that the Lord would get a hold of the son. And when the Lord got a hold of the son, it was a totally different experience. So which one of the two here is the prodigal? It says the elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called the servant and he said, what does this mean? And the servant said, your brother has come. Can't you see the servant excited? <laughs> You know, we talked, I believe, we talked Sunday about the servants knew. Here's some more servants that were in on the inside of what was going on. And they said, your brother has come and your father's killed the cat, fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And you could just see the redness of the face of that, that brother as he gets angry. You know why? Because he's merciless and he's written, he's written little brother off. He's written him off. He is completely discounted. That the Lord may get a hold of this little fellow. <laughs> he was angry. He would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Now ask the question, who's the prodigal? Who's the real prodigal here? And he answering and said to his father, listen how disrespectful and dishonoring and disobedient the brother who stayed is. He says, lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet you never gave me a kid. You never gave, you never killed the fatted calf for me. Is this guy selfish or what? He got a sense of, he's got a sense of, I deserve. You know, he, he sounds like a lot of people in our country. You know, I deserve better than this. I deserve better than that. Brothers and sisters, as sinners before the Lord, we don't deserve anything. But the mercy of God is what we should long and thirst for. You see? But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots. See, they knew what this boy had been doing. You have killed the fatted calf for him. I never left. I've always been here. Now, who is the real prodigal right here? You see, this boy, the young man who stayed at home, he was merciless and judgmental. And he had already written little brother off. He's no good. He's worthless. He'll never be any use to me. God, help us if we get in that kind of a frame of mind. The brother should have been happy and rejoicing and come in and dancing with his brother and, and shouting to the heavens, my brother's back. <laughs> Instead, he's outside away from the feast and the father says, son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. By the way, you know what that indicates? That indicates that he had gone ahead and distributed the entire inheritance to the older son and to the younger one who wasted it. See? 
It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. What, a, what an account. What an account of mercy. Let me tell you, child of grace, this is what moves the church of God forward through the ages. It's mercy, you see. It's not holding grudges and writing people off, whatever age they may be. Because you never know, as the old saying goes, you never know when the worm might turn. (laughs) You never know whenever the Lord may get a hold of them. You never know whenever they may find a place of repentance. You know why? We want the judgment to come. You know, we say, well, they ought to, they need to get what they deserve. In our nature, we want that. But then, you know, sometimes the judgment comes in the form of the mercy of God that overwhelms that person. You see, is that not what we really want as children of God? We want to see the mercy of God overwhelm that person. I bet you the people that sat down and began to listen to the Apostle Paul preach were just amazed. This is the guy that killed Christians? Are you kidding me? Now he's preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Never saw that one coming. You can take yourself and put yourself in that scenario. I am so glad that... Sister Tracy and I met at the time that we met. We've often said, well, you know, we hung around some places that we might have could have run into each other. I even think I went and bought ice cream in the little ice cream shop that she used to work at there in Northport where Kroger used to be. (laughs) I probably got some ice cream from her. But it was just not, it was just not time. You understand? And I was probably the guy that she thought, that guy is weird. (laughs) Because there's probably a lot of weird guys that came in the ice cream shop. I was one of them. I'm so glad we didn't meet when I was 15. I'm glad we met right when we did. Because the Lord had done some working on me. I've joked and told you this before. You know, there was a point in my life, and I know you're going to find this hard to believe. There was a point in my life when I'd look in the mirror, you know, and I'd say, I'm a pretty good catch, you know. There's some girl out there that would be happy to to have me, you know, as a husband. Yeah, I'll I'll bring a lot to the table. Can you believe I'd stand up here and admit that? Well, that's just what kind of sinner I was. Sister Tracy didn't meet that guy. Sister Tracy met the guy who couldn't even look at himself in the mirror and hung his head and thought, why would anybody have me? I'm so glad she met that guy and not the prideful, arrogant. I'd be a pretty good catch for somebody. (laughs) I tell you what, we don't need to discount the mercy of God in your life, my life, or anyone's life. Because he's a lot bigger than our judgmental selves. And a lot bigger than our selfishness. And a lot bigger than our pride and arrogance. He will smash our pride and arrogance. And praise God when he does. Because God uses broken vessels. Not perfect vessels. So that's been on my mind. Regarding not just parents, but children. Children, you think about that. You're, you look at some little fella that kicked you in the shin. A little girl looks at some little fella that kicked her in the shin. Yeah, it's funny. You might wind up marrying that little fella one day when he's 25. <laughs> you kick him back in the shin then. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't kick him back in the shin. But you understand who you are at 5 and 10 and 15 and even 18. And for me, 20, 22. It's just not who you're going to be if you're continuing to look to the Lord and continuing to grow in grace. And you'll enjoy the ride of life a little bit more when you look at it that way. In the meantime, whatever age you may be, 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, remember that to honor means to obey 
without excuse, without challenge, and without delay. So whatever that was you want me to do, Mom, I'll try to get over there tomorrow and do it. (laughs) Hope what we've said here in some way or another has been profitable and honoring to the Lord. We appreciate your presence here.